All right, well, tonight we continue in our study on the uh, assurance of faith. Um, and so this is a study that's been put together by Dr. Joel Beakey. And the last couple of weeks we've looked at, um, at a definition of assurance and, and what it means for a believer to, to have assurance that they do, in fact, belong to Jesus. Uh, then we looked at why this concept of assurance is so important in the life of a believer. And, and last week we looked at reasons that, some reasons that true, genuine believers may experience a lack of assurance or, or, or not have assurance. And so um, it, it, was, it was pretty pretty neat this week as I was thinking through and, and kind of meditating on our lesson and, and preparing for it. The Lord just kind of brought to mind... Um, the, the hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And so um, that first verse there of, you know, the foretaste of, of glory divine, this, this glimpse that we have now, the peace, the joy that we have in Christ, it, it's just a smidgen compared to what it will be one day when we're with Him forever. Uh, heir of salvation through, through our adoption as children of God and purchased of God by the, the blood of his own dear son, born of his spirit, washed in his blood, being made a new creation and being declared righteous and not guilty of our sin before him. And just these incredible truths of hope and assurance that, that are contained in just this one verse. And so, um, wonderful truths. So the title of our lesson tonight is Biblical and Normative. Biblical and Normative. So the, the kind of overarching question we want to look at tonight is, um, is assurance of our faith something that is biblical? Can we find support for assurance in Scripture? And is it normative? Is, is it the normal way? that our Christian lives should work is, is assurance for all believers. And is it something that we should expect to experience in our lives? And so those are the questions that we want to try to answer tonight. And Dr. Beakey's answer to this question is this. All scripture affirms that assurance is rooted in faith, that receives God's gracious redemption in Christ and rests in God's word of promise. Receives God's gracious redemption in Christ and rests in God's word of promise. So receives and rests in who God is and what he has promised. And so it's important to remember that faith and assurance are necessarily linked together. So, with great faith comes great assurance. And so we want to start this evening in, in Scripture to see if the Bible confirms the truth that, that assurance of faith for believers is biblical and normative. So, um, we'll start in the, in the Old Testament. And um, all the way back in Genesis 15. 
And so when we look at that, we look at um, Abraham and a, a promise that God made to Abraham. And it says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven, and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted to him as righteousness. So we see in this passage, and we see in um, many other places in the Old Testament that throughout Israel's history, faith meant to rest in and to rely on Yahweh, to, to believe in God's covenant promise to his people. This said different ways throughout the Old Testament. It talks about believing on the Lord. It talks about believing in the Lord. Um, believing to the Lord. All these different ways of expressing it. But the idea, this main idea, is that throughout the Old Testament, Israel's faith meant knowing, trusting in, and relying on God. And this led to Israel's assurance their assurance that, that God would hear their prayers and assurance that he would keep his promises. Um, also in the Psalter, in, in the Psalms, it's a book that's filled with the human experience. Right? We, we looked at, at several of them a few weeks ago. We saw that Psalms, are, they're full of doubts. They're full of fears, uh, distress. Um, sometimes even asking God, Why? But also throughout those psalms, even in the midst of the darkest ones, the psalmist will state his hope and his assurance in God. God will deliver. God will save. God will bring about justice on the wicked. God will be a source of strength. Again, all of the, the assurance that David and the other psalmists were based on God's character and his promises. We see this again in the prophets of the Old Testament. Um, usually the prophets announce, uh, they'll come in, they're speaking on behalf of God, and they announce a, a present judgment that is coming to the people of God uh, because they've been unfaithful to him. They've been unfaithful to his covenant. And, and it sounds really dark, really grim, uh, but then the prophets also, they contain... This future hope, this hope that looks forward, uh, a future promise. The promise that, that God will return to his people. The promise that he will restore and, and he will execute perfect justice. And the encouragement and, and the assurance um, is, is best summed up in the, the one promise, I will be your God and you will be my people. And that, that's a refrain that's repeated over and over again throughout all of Scripture. It starts with God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 
17, um, there it says, I will be their God. And it's repeated time and time again through the law. Then we see it in the prophets in Jeremiah 31, be their God and they will be my people. Um, we see it in Ezekiel 37. Uh, and, and that's just naming two of them. And we keep following this, this thread throughout all of Scripture. And ultimately, in, in this full and, and kind of final glorious reality at the end of all things, we read in Revelation 21, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So this incredible promise and fulfillment throughout all of Scripture that we have before us. And, and remember, we said that assurance is rooted in faith that rests in God's word of promise. And we know from Hebrews 11, that's exactly what these Old Testament saints did. They trusted and rested in God's word of promise through faith in him. So it was... It was biblical and it was normative for Old Testament saints to have assurance. We go to the New Testament and we ask, do we have evidence here? And the answer is yes, we do. We look at the synoptic gospels and, and also the, the book of Acts. And the authors, that they show us that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the promised Messiah. He's the promised one of the Old Testament. Faith in him brings salvation. So God is fulfilling his promises to his people that he will walk among them and he will be with them. And, and the fulfillment of these Old Testament promises gives us confidence that God is true and we can rest assured in his faithfulness. Uh, the writings of John, again, uh, they show us evidence of grace so they they show us ways by which we can examine ourselves we can look at ourselves look inward to see if we're in the faith and we when we see these um, when we see this evidence it leads to assurance so um, we see in John he says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then we continue on and we look in chapter 2 and, and verses 3 and 6. And he writes, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. So again, what's the evidence that we are, in, in fact, believers? We keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walks. So we can take that and examine ourselves. Do we walk the way that Jesus walked? Do we, do we seek to and do we love to obey his commands? If so, there's evidence that we are his. Continue on in chapter 2. John writes, Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not 
in him. And he goes on to talk about the desires of the flesh and the eyes and, and the eyes and the pride of life. And so we look at this and we say, do we love the world? Do we love our sinful flesh or do we love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates? Examining ourselves. Chapter 3. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Again, all these evidence, this is how you can know that you're in the faith. This is how you can know you have assurance. If you take these things and then examine yourself. Um, again, chapter 3 no, because we, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Again, chapter 3. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in talk, but in deed and in truth. Again, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Chapter 4. Again, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. All of these things are given to us in the book of 1 John that we might have assurance. We might have a way to, to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. So yes, it is biblical and it is normative. We go on and we look at Paul and his writings. and um, Paul, as he talks about these things, he doesn't look so much at inward evidence of salvation, but he, he more, his assurance is more based on the nature of God and on his saving of fallen human beings. Um, for example... Ephesians 1, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. God is the one who has done this. He's the one who's designed this. He's the one who's carried it out. Romans chapter 3. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His death to be received by faith. God put Him forward. This is what God has done. Continue on. Five. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. 
Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We have received reconciliation. Romans 8, Paul writes this about assurance of believers. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So again, we've, we've kind of walked through this quickly from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, looking at what the biblical writers say about having assurance. The inward evidence, the fact that God has designed and carried this out himself. And so we, we praise the Lord that God has revealed these things to us. That we might have assurance that we are in Christ and he is in us. So next time we'll, we'll come back and we'll look together at how believers throughout church history have thought about this. How have they worked through this topic of assurance? So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, and that we can know that blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Lord, how precious it is. To know that no matter what comes, no matter what happens, nothing can take that away. Father, I pray that we would have peace and we would have joy unspeakable that is found in you as we rest in the promises of Scripture by faith. And so, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.